and welcome again to another edition of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast wherein we violate the Tenth Commandment by coveting our neighbor's ass. Damn straight. <laughs> well, before we get into things, uh, I figure we ought to cover iTunes again. We've got some great, great reviews on there. And my personal favorite from this week comes from Tai Tai Sanchez, who says that he would have given us four stars, except for the fact that he was worried for the safety of Thai immigrant workers. Yeah, you can uh, stop beating those children now. Well, see, the problem is, is he's just worried about their safety, which means the quality of the show is still low, which means I have to beat at least one to get the point across. (laughs) (laughs) You probably ought to beat two just in case you kill one. That's very true. We got to at least have one live. He can dock the dead one's pay. <laughs> well, from his family. I mean, after all, they're waiting for him to work for their freedom. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, our next one's from Portland Tim, titled uh, High Quality Lowbrow Skepticism. He likes the fact that we're, uh, we unapologetically ridicule the primitive fairy tales that so many people believe are true. And uh, I apologize for that. I, I feel kind of bad. <laughs> oh, really? And why do you feel bad? I'm sorry. I don't mean to ridicule people's beliefs. We should respect them, right? Even if they are absolutely ridiculous. Well, see, the problem with respecting something that's ridiculous means that we actually give it some credence, so I would rather shit on it and just ignore it. Or we could just shit on it. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what you were going to react. The next one. Moving on. (laughs) Keith from uh, North Carolina, looks like. Great entertainment. These guys are great. I've been listening to this podcast while at work. My coworkers give me odd looks when I laugh out loud. Well, you know, it's actually interesting because both Keith and the the next guy, T-Bone Tom, who says we're informative and funny, says we're obviously having a good time and he has to muffle his laughter while listening at work. And what I have to say to both you, T-Bone, and you, Keith, is get off your asses and get back to work. It's because of you that our economy is in the shitter. That's right. We were probably about to recover um, from the recession until everyone started listening to irreligiosity while at work. Now we're yes, stuck. All ten of our members were raising the economy single-handedly, <laughs> and you are now dragging it down by not working. Uh, RPSGT, I wonder what that stands for, it says it's a breath of fresh air. I look forward to every episode. The hosts work well together, and it's refreshing to hear someone discuss these topics without dumbing it down or feeling the need to apologize for their point of view. I guess I should apologize for my previous apology. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we are starting a precedent here. We're, we're going to apologize for everything just because of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I right. love the next one. Yeah, this next one, I'm, I'm sorry, Fly44D. Uh, the harm has been done. You rated us three <laughs> stars, and although you raised it to four stars, we have already killed immigrant workers for your stars. So I don't know if this is going to do us any good. This guy is really stingy with his stars. What, what are these, <laughs> vital organs? Does he have to give away a testicle? What do we have to do to get five stars? Well, we got four stars by talking about fecal leakage, so I can only imagine what we got to talk about to get a fifth star. <laughs> and finally, three-putt mafia... Gives us a perfect uh, five-star review. Um, she was really happy that when the Mormon missionaries asked on her door because she listened to our podcast, she gave them the best questions she's ever heard, which is, if I repent of my sins, will my skin get lighter? <laughs> well, my question is, why do you assume Three-Putt Mafia is a woman? Hmm, good question. 
<laughs> you misogynistic bastard. I assume uh, everyone who is uh, eloquent and, and well-spoken is a woman. I apologize, Three-Putt Mafia, if uh, you are actually a man. Wait. <laughs> he has just demasculinated you. That, <laughs> that apology is misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should just move on. All right, so that's our reviews. Um, now, into the actual... Wait! What, you got a surprise for us? Um, we have two more apostles for irreligiosity. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, thank you for bringing them up. We must induct them into irreligiosity statehood. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Chris and Gregory have donated and, and bought us a beer. Do you have a beer in your uh, apartment? I do not. I've got some tequila, but for what we've got going today, I don't think I should get soused. <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up a good point because... We actually had a Judas among our midst. And the reason why I say this is we had our listeners out there clicking on these Christian ads to give money to us, and somebody reported us to AdSense. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we actually lost our AdSense account because they said we were abusing them. <laughs> which, which essentially we were, right? Um, what happened? But what are we supposed to do? There's no uh, mock ads out there. I mean, seriously, where are we supposed to fit in? It's really frustrating because um, the AdSense would continually give us religious ads, right? You know, Mormon chat singles, um, buy this religious, you know, book of prayer, buy this, buy that, donate to a religious cause. It's totally, completely 180 degrees away from what we're trying to do here. Uh, but that's the only ads that they would serve up. So it actually went into the settings. Uh, about a month ago, and I turned off the religion, you know, made, set up a filter so it would filter out religious ads. It's still, they kept serving them. But they kept coming. So yeah. um, I would have to say, screw you, Google. <laughs> Bite me. <laughs> All I have to say about this is whoever the Judas is out there, I hope your five pieces of silver bought you a nice field so you could fall, have your guts spilled out, and then be hung by it. 30 pieces of silver. Close enough. <laughs> it's not like he's sacrificing Jesus. He's just sacrificing your religiosity. It's adjusted for inflation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to our topics today. Yes. What do we got? Well, this podcast, it's, it's going to be kind of an interesting one because you and I have discussed in the past how a lot of those who are Christian or religious like to fall back on the Bronze Age morality taught in the Old Testament and say, you know what? Jesus came forward, he changed the laws, he changed everything into a newer, better morality. And uh, that's just bullshit. We're going to pull out of the New Testament the moral flaws that are preached in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, quite apart from the fact that we find in Matthew that not one uh, stroke will be removed from the law, right? Jesus himself says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Uh, the obvious question being, what is a tittle? <laughs> well, perhaps Greg L. Banson, Ph.D., could answer this, because I, I stumbled across this article he wrote in 1978, and it's it's kind of interesting because he talks about how they lowered the speed limit from 65 miles an hour to 55. And he basically says, but God's laws are not like that. Just today, unjust tomorrow. 
When the Lord makes a moral judgment, he is not unsure of himself or tentative or fickle. Unlike human lawmakers, God does not change his mind or alter his standards of righteousness. And then, of course, he starts quoting a bunch of Psalms. But if that is the case, then why is it we're not still following Old Testament? And why is there even an argument about Old Testament, Bronze Age mythology, morals, whatever? And why should we be any different? Right, because we're all still slaves, is um, preached in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, Mormons will say that stuff, too, and without a hint of irony, as if... They're all still practicing plural marriage. Uh, blacks still don't have the priesthood. And uh, they're all in little communist societies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that what Jesus preached too? You should give all your stuff away from the poor and et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, obviously, change occurs. God is clearly not the same yesterday, today, and, and in the future. You know, the Old Testament, the reason we're doing the New Testament, because uh, finding immorality in the Old Testament is like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, I mean, really, it's, just, it's it's like what I used to do when I worked as a bagger when I was 16. We would pick up romance novels, and we would see who could find the sex scene the fastest. It's the same thing with the Bible. Find the immorality, just whip open a page, you'll find it. Right, it's far too easy. So what we're going to do is we're going to take on the New Testament, because this is held up as the shining pinnacle of virtue of our Western civilization. I would submit that it's very little better than the Old Testament. Um, for example, Hosea thirteen sixteen, Samaria hath rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with children shall be ripped up. Um, that's a pretty low bar, so I suppose the New Testament may be better than that. Well, we hope so anywhere. Often as, as an atheist, I want to get this out of the way. This is just a little side note. They'll commonly quote uh, Psalm 14.1. Yeah. They'll say, the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. And uh, Matthew 5.22 is my typical response which is, whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Well, see, I, I love that you brought that one up, because that was something I brought up uh, as well with my dad. Uh, in my family, we weren't allowed to say fool strictly because of this passage. But Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. We were not allowed to say fool. And in fact, I remember several different family home evenings when my brothers were watching, uh, what was that, the A-Team, where, he's like, where Mr. T was calling everybody a fool. Yeah. And so they would call all of us fools. And we had many, many family home evenings wherein the, the topic of discussion is why we shouldn't call people a fool. That is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. But it, Jesus doesn't say don't call other people dick faces, so is it okay to call your family dick faces? Well, yes it is. However, Jesus in Matthew 7.26 calls people a fool. In Matthew 23.17-19 calls people a fool. In Matthew 25.2, and 8 calls people a fool. In 1 Corinthians one twenty three, they're talking about fools. So, uh, please, why is Jesus in heaven? I, I, I bet you didn't have any family home evenings about those particular verses. No, no. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of people with Matthew 7.26, they like to uh, point out that uh, there's a new translation being used right now that states, like a foolish man. However, the Greek manuscripts, the oldest ones, use the Greek word that is translated for fool, period, not like a foolish man. So if anybody brings that up and says, oh, no, it's like a foolish man, stick it to them. You know, people are always talking about family values, right? Yeah. Christian, good Christian family values. You guys are having family home evening to, to kind of bond as a family. Well, let's take a look at some of the teachings Jesus uh, had about the family. Oh, I'm good for that. How about Luke fourteen twenty six? 
If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Well, thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, so, I'm glad that you're speaking out about get, staying together as a family, you know, that close bond of hatred. Exactly. <laughs> In order to be Christ's disciple, you got to hate, essentially, everyone in your family. He specifically mentions everyone. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, uh, the Greek word here, because some new translations try to soften that, right? They don't use hate. Yeah. The Greek word is miseo, which is the root word for misogyny, which is what we've been accused of multiple times. <laughs> Women hating. Right? It, it, it means literally hate. It doesn't mean anything else. It means hate. Well, um, all right. So basically misogyny, hate women. Okay, got it. It's in my head now. How about Matthew ten thirty four through 36? Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I don't know why he specifies that last part. Um, I guess he just doesn't like mother-in-laws. And the man's foes be they of his own household. Um, So he says he didn't come to bring people together. He comes to separate them. Because, you know, people will say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm not, and they'll split up. That's kind of Jesus' goal. Well, see, that's actually an interesting side note, because some scholars have actually argued that Jesus was kind of leading a rebellion. And uh, their reasons for thinking this is there's actually a passage, um, I can't remember if it's Matthew or Mark, wherein uh, Jesus basically tells the disciples that they should sell all and buy a couple of swords. And basically a couple of swords is all they could purchase, as well as the fact that when they came to take Jesus, uh, the servant was attacked with a sword. So why is it that Jesus, walking around as modern Christians believe, preaching nothing but pacifism, <laughs> they, uh, they find themselves with swords? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're talking about Luke twenty two thirty six. He that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. This, <laughs> you know, Jesus is always, you know, the Prince of Peace, but uh, uh, he gets angry. He talks about uh, in the beginning of Mark, Mark 3, 5, This is a guy, you know, I guess they're trying to set up Jesus uh, because they're trying to uh, get this guy to get Jesus to heal this guy with a withered hand on the Sabbath. Yeah. So, therefore, he'll break the Sabbath. So, Jesus gets pissed off. Uh, He says, And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. So, Jesus gets pissed off. I mean, he... uh, overturned the money changers' tables in the temple. And uh, in Mark, I believe, it says he actually whipped the guy. So um, hard to reconcile with this Prince of Peace who's always in control. Well, I mean, my favorite example of Jesus and his uncontrollable anger is Matthew twenty-one nineteen, Mark eleven twelve through 14, where Jesus is walking by, he's hungry, he sees a fig tree, he walks up, there's no fruit, and they actually state in these passages that it is out of season, and he gets pissed off and curses this fruit tree that it will never bear fruit again. And one version, it withers on the spot. The next version, the disciples come back, and it's withering the next day. What the hell did that fig tree do to you? If you're hungry, wait for the season to come. Yeah, in one of those, it specifies that it wasn't even in the season, so Jesus is totally being irrational here. Yeah, He now, comes over and expects that poor tree to be bearing fruit out of season just because Jesus is special. Well, well you know, if, if you're special, 
why don't instead of smacking it <laughs> and making it wither, how about you just cause a miracle to make it bear fruit? I mean, he just seems like a total dick. Jesus was being a dick at this point. He was basically just saying, eh, I could make you grow fruit, but instead I'm going to cause you to wither and never bear fruit again. Yeah, he's a total spoiled brat. Yeah, what there. a douchebag. You know, this kind of reminds me of some of the lost gospels about Jesus' childhood where he was just a little brat. <laughs> yeah, the, the teacher comes and wraps him on the hand or something and... Jesus strikes him dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And I seriously think that um, although this is added in the canon, I think that a little bit of Jesus' childhood and some of this hatefulness was slipped in there. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's pretty popular. At least he's got emotions in, in that gospel, right? Yeah. In, in Luke, he's essentially unflappable. He doesn't um, really do anything at all. Yeah. He, that's the one where he's crucified, right? He's in agony in Mark. In Luke, he's like, Father, into my hands I commend my spirit. I mean, come on. Yeah, you guys, he, guys got nails in his hands. Yeah, is this what we're supposed to aspire to be? Just these emotionless, well, pricks, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I'll go along with that. All right, all right. Well, my favorite, though, uh, that I discovered in, uh, it's actually Matthew 5.32 and Mark 10.11 through 12 is, divorce except on any grounds of unchastity is wrong. That's Matthew. And divorce on any grounds is wrong. Are you kidding me? You should have seen my brother's first wife before he divorced her. I applaud divorce. Uh, yeah, so what Jesus is saying there, and keep in mind that this is one of two doctrines that Paul references right? Yeah. Um, no divorce. Jesus didn't like divorce. And the other one was that you should pay your ministers. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the two doctrines that, that Paul uh, speaks about. Uh, so, so this is early. So this probably did come from Jesus. Yeah. Um, no, no divorce except in case of infidelity, basically, if she's an adulterer or a fornicator. Uh, what about abuse? <laughs> the woman is supposed to just stay in the relationship if they're being abused by their spouse. I mean, this is, uh, Jesus, for God's sakes, is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it really does not make any sense. And I mean, seriously, you get married to a man or a woman in this case, because I've had a couple brothers just marry some whores of women, to say the least, where if I was in their case, I would have kicked them out the door on the wedding night. But, uh, I mean, seriously. Well, it serves them right for marrying whores. I mean, that's kind of their job, isn't it, to be unfaithful? <laughs> well, see, I'm not talking... That's their occupation. I'm not talking infidelity here. I'm just talking, uh, like, one particular woman was very friendly to the family. She hid her true nature very well. And on the day they were getting married, all of a sudden it was a complete flip where she just turned into this complete bitch... And uh, that has continued throughout their marriage to the point where my brother was crying in front of me saying that he had no idea what he should do. I was telling him to divorce her, and he was basically leaning on the fact that divorce is wrong. And I I'm serious. If you are in that much just agony being around the woman who tricked you into marrying her because she ain't that pretty to say the least, then – Divorce. My God, you are a misogynist. <laughs> Why? Because I tell the truth that she's ugly as a dog and she doesn't have a personality to go along that with it? That doesn't make her a whore. I None of that makes her a whore. What makes her a whore is if she charges your brother money for sex. That's what makes her a whore. Surprised. I would not be surprised oh if she did God. that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let me... Wait, all the female listeners. Wait. 
come back. Let, let's talk a little bit about, um, since we brought up Leighton's misogyny, let's talk a little bit about Jesus's misogyny. Well, I'm just doing case in point at this. <laughs> How about 1 Corinthians 7.1? It is good for a man not to touch a woman. <laughs> I suppose that means that uh, the woman should be on top and the woman should do all the work, right? Yeah. Man well, should just lie there. The man should just put his hands behind his head as it should be. God. First uh, Corinthians fourteen thirty four through 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in church. Yeah, nice. Now there's something to live by. Well, how about this one? I don't know if there are any in our audience who are widowers. However, if you follow... Probably, probably no one who's still listening, you bastard. <laughs> hey, I, I'm the one that everybody likes to hate, so just be quiet and let me talk. <laughs> yeah, please continue. <laughs> well, 1 Corinthians 7, 8 through 9, so just after the 1 Corinthians 7 you quoted, it says, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So, yeah, really? Yeah, that, that doctrine comes out of Paul's belief that uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, and so basically, you shouldn't change. your sta- If you're married, stay married. If you're single, stay single. If you're a slave, stay a slave. You really don't, don't worry about it, because your situation in the very near future is going to improve dramatically in the kingdom of heaven. So that's where that doctrine comes out of. But how about Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, and compared to Colossians 3, 18. So in Ephesians it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. God, I don't know about you, but um, I'm not sure my wife would appreciate hearing this particular scripture read to her. Well, whether she wants to hear it or not, she's a Mormon woman, so that scripture applies directly to her. Colossians 3.18, (laughs) Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And compare that to verse 19, where they say, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them, but don't submit. It's it's for the wives' duties to submit, not the husbands. Now, that is just asshole behavior. That's that's like saying that a man is always right and that he can do no wrong. And all you women out there, you know we men are bastards. We have our downfalls. We have our faults, which is why you spend most of the relationship trying to change us. <laughs> God, you're an asshole. <laughs> I'm on one today, aren't I? This... <laughs> <laughs> the the root of this, I think, can be found in First Timothy two thirteen and fourteen, right, where he says, um, "Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression." So apparently, according to Timothy, Adam gets off absolutely scot free. Uh, it's all Eve's fault. Eve is to blame. Well, see, I've actually seen that quite a bit. I mean, it's just amazing how people can blame women for all of their problems. It just kind of cracks me up. And they love, especially Christians, love to point to this sort of fact that, you know, women are the lesser creatures. I've actually heard this not preached in Mormonism, 
But I've heard a lot of men there who actually state, well, you know, I'm all for women's rights and equality and such, but uh, if they can't, uh, you know, stand toe-to-toe with a man, then they shouldn't be there in the first place. Well, uh, Mormons were instrumental in uh, the defeat of the ERA, just like they're trying to um, defeat uh, the gay marriage uh, propositions. Uh, you remember in the late 70s where um, the ERA... Uh, equal rights amendment was was going through and it got through um, almost uh, to the states that it, that it needed to to be in the constitution um, but the church mounted a massive effort uh, and prevented that from from getting into the constitution <laughs> uh, just uh. absolutely unnecessary bastard assholeish behavior and you know uh, in my family uh, I know multiple women who um, have been prevented from having an epidural during childbirth because of the stupid story in Genesis where the woman was punished with pain uh, during childbirth. And that's supposed to be somehow redemptive for her sins. Oh, good God. I thought that was only in my family because I've had a couple who have mentioned that and I just look at them like they are completely retarded. It's it's amazing to me in uh, this day and age that that is still... Uh, not only present, but fairly commonplace, I guess, within Mormon families. Uh, there's some s- stupid resistance to a, a painkiller. You don't get any medals for pain. Right? Yeah, there is no red badge of courage. Just take it. The only benefit you get is later on you can sit around and talk to other people about, you know, well, my labor was uh, so long and it was so painful I didn't have an epidural. Uh, to me, I think I'd rather have an epidural um, and <laughs> just say, oh, I didn't have any pain. You uh, idiots. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I was it, reading the newspaper. It was wonderful. I was playing my uh, Nintendo. You know, Sean's there. wife actually quoted that scripture. She quoted it. And the hilarious thing is she went into labor and basically told everybody, I'm not doing the epidural, not doing the epidural. The labor started and she started screaming for an epidural, but because she had waited so long, they had to take time to prep. And by the time they got there, she was too far along to get the epidural in. This idea that this pain is redemptive, even though you have Christ who apparently has suffered for everyone's sins, um, that, that the woman should suffer for Eve's mistake who is a fictional character anyway, is absolutely <laughs> wait, wait, wait. ridiculous. You're telling me that Eve wasn't created from Adam's rib? I've counted my ribs, and I am missing one, oh, so this God. story is true. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. You're killing me. And uh, so that, I think, is the root of it. Um, they think that since Eve uh, was deceived and it wasn't the man, you know, the, the stupid fairy tale of Genesis, that uh, women should basically shut up. Um Luke 2.23 also shows um, this this inherent bias against women, where he says, Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Uh, what about women? <laughs> it's, it's, only, it's only men that God care about, apparently. God, what a dick. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to hear about God being a dick. Let's take yes. a look at Luke 8.12, where it talks about how the devil is the cause of unbelief. Well, if that's the case, then why is it Mark 4, 11 through 12, talks about how Jesus, in some particular cases, causes unbelief? Or how about 2 Thessalians, I can never say that, 2, Thess- 11 through 12. Thessalonians. Thessalonians, close enough. <laughs> but that <laughs> Thessalonians actually comments that 
God is ultimately responsible for unbelief in at least some cases. So let me ask you something, God, Jesus, if you're listening down to this right now. How is it you can punish us for our unbelief or anybody else who you have caused unbelief in if you are the root of that cause? Yeah, that's also, that's actually echoing Ezekiel 14.9 of the Old Testament, where he says, And if the prophet be deceived when he hath spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. Well, kiss my ass! Yeah, this, the hell this is, is that? God and Jesus being an asshole at this point. They're basically saying, we will cause unbelief, and then we're going to kick your ass for it. Right, and, and Jesus compounds it by speaking in parables. He says, you know, he that hath ears, let him listen. Uh, he that has eyes, let him see. Um, why don't you just come out and say it, Jesus? Why do you try to uh, do all these riddles so that people who aren't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> smart enough, will understand. Well, see, this is what I love. In Matthew 5, 16, it basically talks about how the good works should be seen. So basically, we should know about the good works. We should know about this stuff. And then in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, so the very next chapter, they start talking about how they should be kept secret. Why should there be a secret on these things? If this is our eternal salvation, if we are here for a very short period of time, and then judged and tortured or find salvation after this, why would you hide anything? I, yeah, the stakes are pretty high, right? Yeah. So what is God doing deceiving anyone, much less sending them a powerful or strong delusion? Yeah, I mean... What the hell? What the hell? This is where, this is where the idea where the fossils were God's idea of planting them in the ground to test people, right? Yeah, He's you, sending them strong delusions they won't believe in it. You I got news for you, God. Asshole. It, it is hard enough to believe in you without the fossils. Yeah, you don't have to go around planting shit. Yeah, we're supposed to ignore our intellect and feel with our feelings, and yet you're throwing down so much shit that speaks against you and you're going to punish us for this and make us believe these illusions, delusions, whatever you want to call them? You asshole. Yeah, total dick. Total dick. Um, how about uh, slavery? We know that the Old Testament endorses slavery. Oh, of course. How about the New Testament? No, no, they would never talk about something like that. No, Luke twelve forty seven. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. <laughs> that's, that's a nice parable from Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that, that would never talk about... Uh, Jesus did not stand for slavery. We all know that. Right, and, and Paul essentially endorsed slavery multiple times. Uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 6, 1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So heaven forbid they try to escape from their masters and make Christians look bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not escape our masters and make a better lives for ourselves, because, you know, that would just make Christians and what they're doing look bad. Thanks. Uh, how about Titus 2.9, uh, where he, he tells Titus to exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. That seems pretty pro-slavery, right? Yeah, that, that sounds exactly like what my definition of slavery is. He says, Paul also says Christians are to be slaves to God in Romans 6.22. Oh. Uh, um, you know, the, the master-slave relationship is nowhere more apparent than in Christianity and Judaism. God's the one most powerful being in the universe, necessarily then, therefore, we are his slaves. Well, you know, speaking about God and uh, and this whole role he has, if you look up, 
Acts 10.34 or Romans 2.11, it talks about how God is so benevolent that he treats everybody alike and shows no partiality. However, if you read Romans 9.11-13, God hated Esau and loved Jacob even before <laughs> their birth. Really, where is this impartiality, you dick? <laughs> Even before they did anything to deserve it, yeah, he hated one and loved yet. the other one. They're not what even born yet, and you hate one of them. You dick. What a bastard. All right, so actually the reason this podcast was delayed uh, was we were having trouble finding a sponsor. But we got one. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, this sponsor worked out perfectly, and it fit perfectly in with the podcast we are doing this week. So with no further ado, let's hear that commercial. Men, do you ever experience bouts of irrationality? Oh, what is this? Why doesn't that tree have any figs on it? Jesus, it's not fig season. No figs, you tree bitch? The son of man comes and you got no fucking figs? Jesus Christ, I'm not even sure that it is a fig tree. I want my figs! Hey Judas, I'll give you 30 pieces of silver if you can get him to stop smacking that olive tree. Whack, whack, whack! Perhaps you suffer from occasional fits of anger. Goddamn money-changing sons of bitches! Get out of my father's and mine and all of those house! Jehovah's balls, is he always like this? I think it's just that time of the month! Have you ever experienced severe cramping and bleeding? Oh, sweet mother! Oh, Lord, take this cup from me. God, jeez. Oh, man, that stings. Oh, God, the pain. Is he bleeding from every pore? At least my wife has the sense to bleed from only one hole. Oh, the cup. Take the fucking cup. You know what he's going on about? No idea. Let's go back to sleep. Oh, Christ, make it stop. Men, if you have experienced any of these symptoms, you may have PMS, premenstrual syndrome. Good news. Now there's help. Mangesterone. Just take six pills four times a day and watch your symptoms vanish like an altar boy's childhood innocence. Whew. Sure, I'm glad that's over. That's him. That's Jesus right there. Come with us, Jesus. We're putting you on trial for blasphemy. Oh, uh, yeah, you'll have to get through my disciples first. Uh, disciples? Matthew? John? Aw, oh, come on! Mangesterone. Side effects include breast enlargement, ovarian cysts, penile shrinkage, vaginal formation, vaginal discharge, rectal prolapse, esophageal prolapse, rectoesophageal prolapse, and syphilis. Do not use if you are pregnant, plan to conceive, or intend to cornhole the Holy Spirit for the purpose of immaculate conception. Wow, I had no idea there was something called premenstrual syndrome. Well, I have actually been suffering from it throughout this entire podcast, for all those who haven't noticed, so uh, I believe I'll be taking those pills. That explains quite a bit, actually. Uh, let's see. What have we not talked about yet? We've gone over... Oh, how about this wonderful uh, verse in Matthew nineteen twelve? There be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. So, um, uh. <laughs> apparently... You're supposed to castrate yourself for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I, I'll go to hell. People say, oh, what Jesus meant was that you, you know, should be celibate, like Paul says, and you shouldn't take it literally and cut your balls off. But 
in <laughs> Matthew, they, they named Jesus, <laughs> Jesus gives no indication that he's speaking in a parable. And there, you know, there have been entire monastic orders that have taken this literally and castrated themselves. And Origen, the church father, also took it literally and castrated himself, made himself a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven. Oh, God. People so don't tell nuts. me about taking this uh, figuratively. Yeah, yeah, really. Well, if we're going to take things figuratively, I think we should pay attention to 1 Timothy 5, 8, wherein it states, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That makes sense, especially in this economy. If you aren't providing for your relatives and your immediate family, you have no faith and you are worse off than an unbeliever. Yeah, you're essentially... Um, you're screwed. You're screwed. You're going to hell. Yeah. Uh, you know, th this brings to light the lack of tolerance. Uh, how about 2 Corinthians 6.14? Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's us, Leighton. Yep. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? This is Paul talking in 2 Corinthians, who apparently is unaware that Jesus hung out with publicans and sinners. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about this? If we're going to talk about Jesus, how about we look at 2 John 1, 10 through 11, where it says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. So basically, if they don't believe like you, you should shun them. And if you talk to them, their sin is upon you. Yeah, that makes sense. That's beautiful. Jesus is kind of a, a, a dick. Um, in Mark 14, 3 through 9, um, the uh, apostles, they're anointing Jesus' feet, and the ointment used um, is extremely expensive, right? And yeah. so they um, bring up to Jesus, wow, this is really expensive ointment. This could have been sold for a lot of money and, and given to the poor, you know, like, you, like you're always saying. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus says, in response, ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me... Ye not have not always. <laughs> <laughs> so doesn't that just contradict everything? Shouldn't we just pay attention to the fact that that we, I mean, all of us could die at any moment, so therefore we do not know how long we're going to be with one another? Right. So take care of your family, apparently, but don't take care of the poor. Because heaven they'll forbid. be here always. <laughs> yeah. Heaven forbid you give anything to the poor. I mean, in this case, the apostles are being a lot better than Jesus is, um, as opposed to his own teachings, right? Like, Jesus isn't even listening to himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, we've already thrown out so many examples of Jesus just contradicting this new belief system about him being so benevolent that he could do no wrong and that we should all follow his moral standards. Yeah, uh, like when he steals corn and his disciples steal corn from the cornfields on the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the last time I stole corn, I got rock salt shot at me out of a shotgun. So I wonder if Jesus had to deal with the same stuff. <laughs> One can only hope. You know, they didn't, in that story, they didn't ask permission. They just took the corn. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. Um, how about thou shalt not kill, right? Yep. In Luke 19, Jesus is in the middle of a parable clearly where this, this king is um, su supposedly the Lord himself, Jesus. Yeah. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. Nice. 
Yeah. Nice, Jesus. That's a little bit of the Old Testament God showing through. Well, how about this one? Let's go back to John 3.15, where it states, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So wait, just because you dislike your brother, that means you are a murderer? So you might as well, if you hate your brother, you might as well go out and do a killing spree, because you're never going to make it into heaven anyway. Well, hang on a second. Read that scripture again. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Catch 22, Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren, then he's not worthy of me. Hmm. So then what do you do? Well, you're kind of stuck right in the middle there. You either hate one or you, you, you don't. Either way, you're not going to heaven. Uh, Jesus makes it so complicated. <laughs> yeah, so much for these clear morals that he's supposed to be preaching, right? This, um, there's a great story in Matthew 15 where Jesus is totally, totally a dick. 22 through uh, 28, um, this woman of Canaan came out and, and cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Uh, but he answered her not a word. <laughs> and then his disciples get pissed off and they say, Could you send her away? She's crying after us. <laughs> Jesus said, um, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, right? So he's yeah. not going to heal the daughter because she happens to come from Canaan. Yeah, that's and, just and, a dick move. And, and so she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, so this is twice now, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. What an ass! What's the matter, Jesus? You couldn't find any pigs to take away another man's livelihood? And so she says, Truth, Lord, even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And oh, and then he relents God. and says, All right, fine. I'll heal your daughter. God damn it. Oh, good. <laughs> God. Well, you know, what a total asshole. What an asshole. Especially if we're quoting Jesus here, and he's basically saying that these other people do not have his law, they are not of him, and therefore they should be hated, blamed, whatever you want to call it. Well, why don't we look at Romans 4.15, where it basically states that if there is no law there, there is no transgression or sin. So, Jesus, where is this belief? Hmm? There's no law, there's no transgression. What does that mean? Because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. So, basically... If you don't know about the teachings, then you cannot have transgression is what it's saying. Huh, bizarre. So it's best not to convert people at all so they don't know. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Hell. But, I mean, here we have Jesus acting as an asshole, and you have these guys that are saying, hey, these people don't know the law, so there can't be any transgression. <laughs> as a matter of fact, hell is basically a New Testament doctrine. I mean, there was a, a reference to the pit in Job, but it wasn't a place of eternal hellfire where people are... Um, tortured for eternity, that we need Jesus for, right? In Mark 9.43, he describes it as the fire that shall never be quenched. In Matthew 13.41-42, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and, with, uh, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, John 15.6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Uh, that statement right there was the basis for uh, a lot of um, people, men and women, dying um, in a, a blaze of fire uh, under the Inquisition. 
Um, a lot of witches were burned specifically because of this and Exodus uh, 22.18, thou shalt not suffer a, a witch to live. Um, so so these, these things harm. And these things are not of the uh, Jewish religion uh, where Jesus uh, emerged from. These are Jesus' ideas. Yeah. Well, this is, this is actually one of the main reasons why I was so interested in starting Irreligiosophy with you, because these beliefs can cause harm. They seriously can. We've seen it in history over and over again. We're seeing it right now, where particularly in Mormonism, where women's rights are concerned. I mean, the whole belief system is that the women is to bow down to the man, or even with gay rights. These belief systems hamper man's growth. They hamper our morality, our civil rights. This is a hindrance to anybody. So this is, this is exactly why irreligiosophy is here. Because once you laugh at something, you can't look at it the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, almost as important as what Jesus says is what he doesn't say. Yeah. Jesus is supposed to be our Lord, God, and Savior, uh, who is omnipotent and omniscient. He can see. He's outside space and time. He transcends all this stuff. So he can see everything, right? Past, present, and future. Yeah. So why doesn't he say anything about slavery? Paul has a bunch to say. Um, almost all positive about slavery. Um, I believe he even, like, a slave comes and, and asks him, you know, what am I supposed to do? And he sends him back to his master. Um, but Jesus is completely silent about slavery. Yeah. Uh, the Lord of the universe, um, omni-beneficent, uh, he's, he's completely good, and he doesn't say a thing about slavery? Yeah. Now, now, are you telling me that Jesus came here to bring forward the new law, the new moralities we should follow and he didn't say word one about slavery? How about he could have saved um, probably hundreds of thousands of women's lives if he had just mentioned to someone that, hey, psst, witches don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as witches, you dipshits. Well, Listen see, to me. Forget the, about Exodus 22.18, all right? There's no such thing as witches. Do you see any witches out here? I mean, do you see brooms and crooked noses? Stop. It doesn't take him anything but one sentence and he could have saved hundreds of thousands of people's lives and clearly he could see this right he could see the middle ages coming and the persecution of females coming and doesn't say anything about it what a bastard well shit why didn't he just tell people to stay away from rats fleas and wash their hands can you imagine how many he could have saved i mean this is something you've brought up and i've brought... what the hell he Save doesn't give you anything. Lives. God never gives you anything useful, right, in these revelations. Oops, hey, by the way, you can avoid the plague that's coming by washing your goddamn hands, all right? There are these oh. little things called bacteria or germs, and, and you just got to clean yourselves. And Oh, by the way, don't shit in the stream that runs by your house. Go outside, <laughs> dig a hole. <laughs> Basic hygiene. Well, shit, if we're talking about Revelations, how about this screwed-up passage, Revelations 14, 1 through 4, where it talks about how heaven will be inhabited by 144,000 virgin men. And I, I love 3 and 4, where 3 says, and they That rules us out, by the way. What's that? That rules us out. Yeah, that rules us out, definitely. Uh, we have been defiled by women. <laughs> we're done. But, uh, but yeah, I love how is, you can't touch a woman without being defiled. What is that about? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the whole verse 4. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. 
so what? You, you touch a woman and you're defiled? It doesn't Clearly. keep you in the same view with God as all these others? You're lower than them because you've been with a woman? And again, this isn't forward-looking stuff, right? This isn't forward-looking. About as forward-looking that Jesus got is that he would actually deign to talk to women. Yeah. Um, and that's about as good as it gets. But he doesn't say anything about how, hey, pst, women are equal. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to have six females for my apostles instead of all 12 men. He doesn't do that. Oh, of course not. And he seems to be laboring under the same male patriarchal superstition about women, right? They they menstruate, they leak blood once a month. Oh my God, they must be dirty. Yeah, they defile us. Therefore, in God's eyes, virgin men are on a higher pedestal than all of us who find a woman, love her, make love to her, whatever you want to state it. And we're defiled? We are lower because women are obviously lower than we are? That doesn't well, sure. make sense, one. They shouldn't speak out in church if they've got a question. Just shut up, and, and, and uh, once you get inside your home, then you can ask your husband, and he'll explain it to you, you stupid woman. Yeah, uh, yeah. he'll <laughs> explain mean, it in terms you can understand, in, in single-syllable words. Rampant, rampant sexism. Um, and the, the, the common charge by Christians is, look, you're looking uh, at first-century Judea through 21st-century eyes, right? It's a fallacy of yeah. presentism. You're judging them by, by the... Um, present morals and not the morals of their time. Well, I got to tell you this, God is supposed to transcend all that shit. Yeah, He's God not supposed, to, supposed be to be beholden to patriarchal laws or, or uh, the idea that, that men are somehow inherently superior to women. He should have known better, unless God's a sexist asshole, yesterday, what? today, and in the future. Well, hell, opening up this podcast, I quoted a Ph.D., uh, uh, man, Greg Banson, and he even quotes Psalms 111, 7-8, through 8, all God's precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be, for, be, excuse me, to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. So everything we have brought out today should be followed. Well, if you're going to literally interpret the Bible, as uh, a bunch of my relatives do, and my mother was actually told during, you know, we had, we didn't have church like you guys do. We have this Sunday school, right, where they get together. Uh, my mother was actually told to, to be quiet because this is a discussion for men. And oh, they quoted God. this this section of, of uh, Paul, where you oh. should sit down and shut up. God, you got to be kidding me. That's sort of, well, I can't well, say mother, that sort of thinking is still around because we've all seen it. She didn't sit down and take it. She, <laughs> she yelled right back. I was... Uh, is a pretty interesting Sunday school that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see your mom taking that. <laughs> yeah, but but you can see there there are limits even um, to my mother who tends to be an, a literal interpreter of the Bible. Um, she believes the, the earth is 6,000 years old. She doesn't believe in evolution. She believes the rainbow uh, was hung in the sky after a worldwide flood. She believes all this stuff literally happened, but she doesn't believe that section. <laughs> <laughs> and and good for her. Yeah, you got to love the rose-colored glasses that literal believers put on. They look on the things that follow our morality, and they completely ignore these little passages that are completely against what forward thinking is. I would say good for you, and um, open your mind up a little bit further. I think it'll be a, a, a much more wonderful world for you if you can get rid of all this patriarchal system, all this Jesus crap, all this women are inferior crap, all this pro-slavery, um, uh, you're defiled if you're a woman, um, garbage. Um, yeah. Turn the other cheek, 
Turn the other cheek? Really? Yeah, if asshole. someone punches me, I'm going to fucking defend myself. As it's a horrible it doctrine. Be. Horrible doctrine. Don't yeah. turn the other cheek. If someone's abusing you, don't invite them to abuse you further. Defend yourself. Well, I mean, Press it, charges. Call the cops. Yeah, if we're going to take that to the extreme, if a man is beating a woman, you should just turn the other cheek. You shouldn't fight back. All right, well, how about this contradiction? This one just cracks me up. In Acts 5.29, it basically states you should obey God and not men. But if you look at Romans 13, 1 through 4, and 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15, it basically states the exact opposite, where you should obey the laws of men, for this is the will of God. That exact same thing cropped up in Mormonism as well with polygamy, right? Yeah. If it's illegal, do we obey the laws of man or do we obey um, the, the laws of God? And Acts, Peter says, because he's in jail currently, right? He yeah. says, if given a choice, I will obey the, the laws of God. But one of the articles of faith in Mormonism is that we agree to submit ourselves to kings, rulers, etc., etc., exactly. and um, not break the laws of man. While, by the way, Joseph Smith was currently breaking the laws of man because <laughs> he was a polygamist at the time. Oh, Lord. Yeah, you, you got to love how these can be bent around to whatever people want to believe. Horrible, horrible, horrible. All right, that... Those, I believe, are uh, that's a long list of questionable ethics and outright uh, immorality that is encouraged in the New Testament. This isn't the Old Testament we're talking about. This is Jesus's nice, new, upgraded version of Judaism. Yeah, this is the fluffiness that everybody likes to point to and say, this is where we get our morals from. Really? Well, why don't we take a close look at your morals and see if they match what we just discussed here in the New Testament? Right. So that about winds it up, unless you got any other uh, things to talk about. I'm all out. I'm fresh out. Well, I mean, I have a couple others, like uh, like Mark 3.29, where we've brought this up, where if you blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it is the unforgivable sin. However, Acts 13.39, 1 John 1 through 9, or 1, 9, all sins are forgivable. Um, where's, what? I, I can't understand these contradictions that are just, flagrant throughout the New Testament. Yeah, it seems like these guys were different authors writing different books at different times for different purposes. Hmm. <laughs> wow, what a it's thought. A, it's almost as if this wasn't written by God, but by men. Wow, what, that's blasphemy right there. I, I think that's unforgivable. Yeah, it's pretty much unforgivable. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to bring up any of the others. All right. Um, I think we're out of time anyway, so... Um, next week's podcast, what do we got on tap for that one? Once again, it's a surprise podcast. A surprise podcast. And us. <laughs> we, got... <laughs> we got nothing. Yeah. All right, fantastic. We'll see you then. Sounds good.